open up here. My mom's not feeling well, um, so keep her in her prayers. That seems to be kind of more of a recurring theme. So uh, the doctor said there's really nothing they can do, uh, so just keep her in your prayers. I talked to Christopher. Rebecca fell a couple weeks ago, had a concussion. She's still struggling um, with dizziness, so keep her in your prayers. Gary, um, still uh, hoping that the shot helps him with his back, and then uh, they're leaving for Florida this week for a month or so. Um, what is it? Kara, yeah, Kara Landis, she got, it was an accident, automobile accident this week, and I think she's very sore, so um, keep her in your prayers. She what? She had a concussion? Okay, I didn't know that, concussion, so, okay. All right, um, I didn't know that. I forgot already. So, uh, any any other prayer requests, Jerry? What's her name? Charlene. Okay. Issue one, yes. Yes. Yeah, we're grateful the ladies had a, uh, a shower for Life Forward last Thursday night. That was. I know the Life Forward is very appreciative of that. So, um, all right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Father and our God, we give you thanks for your mercy, your abundant mercy that you've shown toward us. We cannot possibly have spent a year in Romans and not understand that everything that we have is because of your mercy and grace. Help us, Father, that we don't just gather head knowledge from Romans, but that we have gathered heart knowledge. We're going to talk about that today. You have been so good and gracious to undeserving sinners who were fallen sons of Adam. And yet, um, in your kindness and your goodness, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's an amazing statement in Romans 5. Help us to comprehend that in a way that changes our lives. To some of the requests, we think of Kara and her concussion and just her the soreness. Thank you that you've protected her from farther harm. Pray for Rebecca now, uh, that you would help her with this uh, dizziness. Uh, Charlene, uh, Tanya and Jerry's friend, just ask for help with her. Uh, Lord, thank you for uh, Tim's surgery went well and his healing. Pray for my mom. Just. 94, just struggling with uh, pain, and just ask that you would give the doctors wisdom and if there's something they could do to help treat her. Um, just give the family wisdom and patience as we deal with this uh, situation. Uh, Lord, for issue one in Ohio, uh, we would love to see that 
um, go through and that um, or, or, uh, no vote there on issue one and just ask that you would uh, that it would go for the church that abortion would not be legalized in Ohio as uh, the new amendment would allow to this constitution. It is really beyond reproach to read it and to see the extent of it and the depravity of man and just ask that your name would be honored. Uh, Lord, we trust you and we ask that um, your will be done. Pray for one that may be here today that has not received Christ as their Savior and Lord, that they would today would be the day that through repentance and faith they would turn their hearts to you. And uh, we ask that um, your name be glorified in our worship service to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I go to Romans uh, nine or uh, 15, I just want to read two verses in light of, or a couple verses in light of the uh, current events. Whatever your political view is on Israel, let me just read this. This is from Psalm 122. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper that love you. So there's just a reminder there what um, you think Israel's future is. Uh, we are commanded in the scripture to pay, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And uh, we can't have gone through Romans too long ago when Paul says, I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not, for I am an Israelite, the seed of Abraham, the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people, whom he foreknew. And so, um, again, just a reminder that it's a horrible situation over there in Israel, but um, pray for the, uh, the peace of Jerusalem and those that are involved um, in this terrible uh, attack over there. So, all right, let's move into Romans 15 um, and uh, pick up. Uh, let's start with verse 1. I, I have a volunteer to read 1 through 6, 1 through uh, 7. Any volunteers? If not, you're going to have to listen to me. So, Mick, thank you. Yeah, chapter 15, 1 through 7. All right, thank you. Um, again, we've discussed many times here and uh, that uh, the first chapters, 11 chapters of Romans are considered the theological portion and the uh, last chapter, chapters 12 through at least the middle part of chapter 15 are often considered a practical portion or the Christian living. So Paul dealt with the theological, the, the fall of man, the depravity of man, the salvation of Christ, 
the, uh, the saving of God's people, the Jews, uh, in his eternal plan, uh, the, um, the whole issue of sin and law in chapter 7 and God's grace and mercy and the Holy Spirit in chapter 8. We get this chapter 12 through the, the last part of chapter 15. Um, we are uh, in what, what, what we would say the practical or how do we apply what we've learned in the first 11 chapters. Um, obviously, uh, the first two verses of chapter 12 set the tone for uh, the, the remaining portion of the book. Uh, Paul makes a transition there uh, in chapter 12. Let me find it here, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, when he says, I beseech you, therefore, or therefore I beseech you, because of what you've learned, because of what I've taught you in the first 11 chapters, now how do you act? How do we act with each other in the church? How do we act, care for one another? How do we solve disputes? Uh, How do we resolve those things? He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world. Don't think like the world does. Start thinking in a Christian way. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then the rest of this, chapter 12, 13, 14, and the most part of chapter 15, deals with that. How do we as believers now Uh, transform our minds. Uh, He says, I beseech you, brethren, uh, and and he calls it by the mercies of God, for what you have received, because of what you received, I want you to think differently. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't think like the world thinks anymore. The world has one way of thinking. The church has another, and we're going to talk about that today, uh, how the church and the world uh, think differently. Uh, if you would read Romans 12, 1 and 2, it would sound something like this if you paraphrase it. Because of God's mercy and grace to you, it is only logical or rational that you would have your minds transformed by the word of God. Stop thinking and acting like the world thinks and start thinking and acting like a new creation. That's what Paul was trying to get us to think about. And so as we're dealing with these subjects in chapters 12, chapter uh, 13, chapter 14, dealing with foods and days and feasts, and here in chapter 15 about with the weaker and stronger brothers and sisters. He wants us to think differently than the world thinks. Think like a believer thinks. Think in light of what he has done for us. Um, This is exactly why the Apostle Paul can say things like honor one another and bless one another. Bless those that persecute you and do not curse them or set your mind on high things. Associate with the humble. That's what Paul has been teaching us in chapters 11, uh, or tw- uh, 12, 13, and 14. It um, says here, uh, do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. And as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. These are all transformed minds. These are the minds the way the believer thinks. He should have... He thought differently as an unbeliever. Now our minds should be transformed because of the mercies of God. Chapter 13, honor those in authority over you. They are appointed by God. Pay your taxes. All is clear about it, that uh, we are 
love your fellow neighbors and friends. Do no harm to them. Again, this is, this is the way the, a, a transformed mind thinks. It's different than the world. Chapter 14, don't argue over trivial things in the body, especially when it comes to days or dietary things. And Paul says, pursue the things which make for peace and work for edification. Don't, don't be divisive. Seek peace. We're going to talk about that today. Seek those things that edify the body, not those things that tear down the body. Again, it's a different way of thinking. It's a new way of thinking. Because of God's mercies in Romans 1 through 11, I know I keep repeating this, but we have to understand the context. We think differently in chapters 12 through the most part of chapter 15. So let's look back at chapter 15, uh, and, and we have just heard Mick read that. This is certainly a different way of thinking here uh, than uh, the Christian perspective for those who are strong to help those who are weak. Uh, it is the command here, notice here, we then who are strong ought to bear the scruples of the weak. And so Paul is dealing with uh, the church He's not dealing with Jew or Gentile right here. He's dealing with those that are strong and weak, and we'll help define that here in a minute. The Christian perspective is for those who are strong to help those that are weak. Uh, This is certainly the opposite attitude that we often see exhibited in the world. Um, Many times it is the strong that not only refuse to help the weak, but often try to destroy them. Uh, you can look at Roman, or excuse me, James 5:17 about the oppression of the rich. Some uh, that's spoken of there. They withhold the wages of those that earn. Uh, this Paul was saying in, in the church in Rome, and, in, and, and for us, I want you to think differently. I want you to be uh, a, a new creation, as it were. So I hope these verses and the whole section challenge us to think differently and act differently. Uh, because of what we've learned in the first uh, 11 chapters. Charles Ellicott says the opening verses of the chapter are intimately connected with the close of chapter 11. Not only ought those who are strong in faith be careful what they do in the matters of meat and drink, but in all things they should show sympathy and consideration for their weaker brother. So the weak... We've got the weak and the strong. It goes back to chapter 14, a tie tot. Those that are uh, weak and strong, he picks that same thought up. Remember, there was no chapter breaks in the letter, so this is just a continuation uh, of of what uh, Paul had been teaching. I'll stop there for a minute if there's any questions. By the way, if you have any comments or questions, just raise your hand or blurt it out or whatever. Stand up. It doesn't matter to me. I want it like this to be interactive if you have thoughts or uh, on this. Okay. Um, and so uh, the word strong here, look at verse 15, verse 1. The verse strong, uh, uh, the word strong in verse 1 is certainly in contrast to the weak in verse 14. Um, and it's also in contrast to the verse, uh, the weak in chapter 15. So he sets up two groups of people, the weak and the strong. Uh, The word strong means simply mighty or powerful. Uh, Most commentators think the context here would be um, uh, spiritual maturity, that maybe that would be better. Those who are more spiritually mature, or it could be 
uh, those who have been blessed with worldly goods. There's a kind of a two-way thought on that, and we'll, we'll look at that. Um, but it means, uh, it, it means powerful. Again, I, I think it has to do with spiritual maturity, but I think it also has to do with financial, uh, what you've been blessed with. Uh, John MacArthur says the word ought, notice there in verse 15, or chapter 15, one, verse 1, then those who are strong ought to bear, ought to bear. Don't miss that. Uh, MacArthur says here, uh, the word ought has the basic meaning of owing a debt or having a strong obligation. So this is not an option for those that are strong. This is a responsibility. It's an obligation, uh, as MacArthur would say. The word bear here means to pick up or carry a weight. It's used in Mark chapter 14, verse 13, of carrying a pitcher of water. So the idea here is that those who are strong, either spiritually or, or maybe financially, ought to have an obligation to bear, to pick up like a pitcher of water, to help, as it were, lift up those uh, with the scruples of the weak. Uh, the word scruples simply means weakness. I don't know. Uh, some of your translations uh, have that, uh, have that uh, thought there. And so um, it simply means those stronger Christians are obligated to help or carry or remove the weight of the weaker brothers and sisters. Again, MacArthur says, the strong are not simply, this is an, I think this is a really important uh, quote. MacArthur says, the strong are not simply to tolerate the weakness of their weaker brother, but they are to help the weak shoulder their burdens by showing love and practical consideration for them. So it's the responsibility of those who have been blessed, either spiritually or financially, to help those who are weak, those who are lesser. Um, the, uh, if you turn with me to Galatians chapter uh, 6 a minute, we'll see uh, Paul picks that up uh, in Galatians. The same thought, this isn't new. Uh, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. There's a responsibility from all of us to help and to bear, to share in the load of others and to help carry that uh, load for them. Uh, in the text here, it says the word scruples, uh, as I said, it means weakness. And so you would read it like this. We then are strong, ought to bear with the weakness of the weak and not please ourselves. Those that are strong have an obligation to pick up and carry and help along those the weak that have weaknesses. That's kind of what he's saying. The weak that have weaknesses, uh, we are to help. Uh, the idea here is not pleasing ourselves, uh, but have the right attitude about others. Uh, yes? There's an ought, ought to. He didn't. He put that there for a reason. We like words. There's a responsibility here of those who have been blessed to help those who are weak um, and to uh, and, and, and to assist them uh, in their troubles. Uh, the idea here is not pleasing ourselves. At the end of the verse, I, I think this simply means 
uh, don't just think about yourself, but think about others. Uh, and, and that's what it is. Look for opportunity. Uh, the believer that has a proper attitude and understanding, we'll see uh, how that plays out in the next several verses uh, as we go through this. Um, but uh, he says, let each one of us please his neighbor for the neighbor's good leading to edification. So we have the weak and the strong, the scruples of the weak, or the, the, the weak. The idea is to please their neighbor, those who are strong that can help. And the reason for that is edification, is to help build them up, help make them uh, stronger, as it were, or uh, possibly uh, more prosperous. And then uh, any, any thoughts on the first two verses? And we'll look at verse 3 here. All right, verse 3. For even Christ did not please himself, but it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So in order to prove his point here, the apostle uh, Paul turns to the greatest example of all, and that's the example of Jesus Christ. Paul's making a point. The weak, the strong should help the weak and should be helping them edify themselves to build them up. What's his example? His example is uh, a case number one. Here's my example. You can see him in a court of law. I present to you Jesus Christ. And notice what it says here, the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. The proper attitude of all Christians, but especially those that are strong, should be to please others. That's what Christ did. That's what Paul's point here is. He didn't please himself. Uh, Notice the words of verse 3, for even Christ did not please himself. He came to do the will of his Father. Um, Everything the Lord Jesus Christ did here on earth was to please the Father and not himself. Uh, John 14, 6 says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but of him that sent me. So Christ came not with the attitude of whatever he wanted to do was right, but he came to please the Father. And so Paul's using that as an example. Look at Christ. He was the greatest example of all. He did not come uh, to please himself. He came to please the other. It was the Father's will that Christ would come to earth, live a sinless life, and die in place of deserving sinners. Uh, that was, uh, that's the example of Jesus Christ. He says here in verse 3, even Christ did not please himself. He set his own will apart. Uh, in uh, Philippians 2, uh, we have uh, this very familiar passage. I don't think we can read this enough um, here in Philippians 2, speaking of Christ. Get my thumbs to work today. Uh, in Ephesians chapter two, or Philippians 2, verses uh, 5, starting with verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, as it were. He was strong, right? He became weak, taking on the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of man, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. So here's our example. Right? As believers, our example, our greatest example is Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ, though he was strong, he became weak for our sakes. And just in case there's any doubt about the humanity of Christ and his attitude, uh, Paul quotes here in verse 3 from Psalm chapter 69, verse 9, the reproaches of them that reproach you fell on me. Uh, the word reproach really is better understood as insults or disgrace. The disgrace of our sin fell upon the Lord Jesus Christ. The insults fell upon Christ. Um, and we see that uh, the NIV puts it like this. The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. We can go back to the cross and the insults that came upon Christ as he lived. He lives, he, he associates with sinners. He's a wine-bibber. He's possessed of a demon. All these were insults that Christ took on so that he could redeem sinful man. Uh, and it is, uh, it is the example. Matthew Poole says, Seeing that, that Christ has done so much for our sake and hath not sought his own ease and benefit, we ought also to seek the good of others and deny ourselves. I will tell you this, uh, and I just, this is just, a, I think, a practical point here. Uh, when we set aside our own needs and desires for the good or edification of others, it's not an easy thing to do. It's, it's a sacrifice, and, uh, and I, I think we keep that in mind. Um, and that is why Christ is our example. It wasn't an easy thing for him to do. If you have any doubt of that, go back to the garden and hear his prayer. Father, if possible, that this cup could be moved away from me, if, but nevertheless, my will, not my will, but yours be done. And so helping and serving others and, and being uh, uh, edifying others is, is not easy. Um, to bear the weakness of others can cost us time. It can cost energy. It can cost money. Um, and even at times like Christ, like we spoke, it could cost your reputation. They called Christ a, a uh, associated with sinners, a wine-bibber. Um, and so uh, sometimes in our service, uh, people are going to accuse us unjustly and wrongly, uh, but uh, we go back to Christ this is the call of the gospel. It's not just what it means to present your bodies a living sacrifice acceptable unto God. This is what part of it looks like, that we would, that those who are strong, those who have the means, are to help those that are weak, Christ being our example. Any thoughts or comments on that? All right. I do want to make a couple comments here, uh, kind of parenthetical. Notice the, 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 the Paul is very clear here. The, it's the strong's obligation to help the weak. I think they should be looking for opportunities, whether it's spiritual or financial. But uh, let me just say a few words about the, the, the word entitlement uh, because uh, entitlement has certainly infiltrated our world and uh, it's infiltrated the church of Christ. Uh, make no mistake here about the order of the Apostle Paul has given, and I think this is important. Notice what's not said. Uh, notice it is the strong that have the obligation and ought to help the weaker brothers and sisters. 
It is never the right or even the privilege of the weaker brother to oppose their wishes and thoughts of entitlement on the stronger brother or sister. You're not entitled because you're weaker. You're not entitled because you have problems. You can't say to uh, so-and-so, you owe me this. You, you don't have that right. This is not what the scripture is teaching. It's a responsibility of the strong to seek out the weak. But it's never the weak that are to say to the strong, you owe me this. It is you are obligated to pay me. And we have that entitlement in our country for sure, right? Everybody wants something for free. You know, I want this. I'm entitled to it. And it has, uh, the, uh, it has infiltrated the church. I believe professing Christians that have this entitled mentality are often harmful to the body. Uh, it can create an atmosphere of selfishness. I want what you have, uh, and, uh, and that's dangerous. The attitude often spreads like a virus from one person to another. And then second, it can lead to a division and conflict in the church. Uh, many times people with the entitlement mentality become resentful that they are not given what they want. So there's a warning here to both sides, right? There's a warning to the strong. You ought to help. But there's also a warning that's not given, but it says that you're not entitled to everything. Um, they become resentful at times. Um, they are often uh, expect you to give some kind of discount for their business or service or ask to provide their talents at a reduced rate or even for free. The strong maybe have financial means. Maybe they own a business. Maybe they have a talent. And I can tell you from personal experience that there are people that expect, not, not ask, but expect because you have means that somehow it's your, their right to have part of your means. And that's not the biblical way. This isn't a welfare system. Uh, and so does the warning go out to the strong? Yes. If you have it, you're obligated. I think you should look for ways to serve and to help and to edify. But if you're weak, do, never, do not ever demand or think you're entitled to anything. You're entitled to what? Health, right? right? That's what we're entitled to. And so um, Jerry Bridges says that attitude of entitlement prompts us to grumble about blessings not received instead of being grateful of those we have received. So anyway, I throw that out there. Um, I have seen this be a huge problem. Um, I probably told you the story about a friend of mine that had an a, uh, automobile repair business, um, and uh, he went to a different church. And I said to him one day after a couple, I hadn't seen him for a while. I saw him for a couple of years. I said, I noticed you closed your business. And his first words were, too many church people, too many church people. They expected a discount. They expected work to be done for free. They, I'm not talking about you, Gary. <laughs> you sold your business. This guy didn't make it that far. Um, but, uh, again, it's just not practical, right? It's practical for all of us here, and that's what Paul wants us to see. Be generous if you have it, but don't expect it if you don't have it. Tim?
Yeah, I think I think that would be a care a, a part of weakness. Um, obviously, there's widows that are loaded, and there's there's widows that aren't. So that's why Paul makes a distinction of widows indeed, right? He uses that word indeed. That means they're broke. And so, yes, you're right, Tim. I think orphans uh, is one. I don't think Paul doesn't necessarily use the weak and strong as financial or spiritual. He allows for both. There's brothers and sisters who are, are, uh, that are just struggle spiritually, and they need help. They need uh, someone to come alongside of them and to help them, and to build them up, to encourage them, to edify them, to help them learn to study God's word, to teach them God's word. There are also people who are blessed financially that can come along and help people that need help. Uh, and so I think it allows for both here. And uh, I just think it's so practical. Here's the end of Paul's letter, and he says, here's some things I really want you as a church. And, and again, it's for us today um, in, in, in 2000. What is this, 23, right? So, all right. Ty? Sure, but when you look at my 401K, <laughs> Karen? Sure, right, and that goes for really anybody, but yes, you're right. Uh, there, there's, there's widows that don't need financial help, but they need someone to visit them and uh, someone to maybe take them to the store, someone to help with their chores. You're right, Karen. And so all that goes. There's widows that are broke, maybe that just need help uh, financially. So it, it kind of covers the whole gamut, uh, but it, again, it goes to our church. Look around for opportunities to serve. That's really what we're looking at. Yes? I don't think it, it excludes anything, really, with ministry. I think Paul's statement is intentionally the strong, whether it's financially, it's a church, if it's individually. I think specifically here he's talking individuals, you know, the strong, the weak, um, as the Jews and the Gentiles, right? But he's talking to individuals. I do think uh, we're going to look here at the end uh, when we get down to Romans 15. Later on, Paul says, uh, I'm paraphrasing, we'll get to it, but they, they collected money in Macedonia to bring down to Jerusalem. So yes, there, there's, there's that, there is times in ministry when one church can help another and one person can help another struggling church. Um, I think we do that all the time with uh, you know, sending money to, to Mexico or helping with, uh, with uh, sending, helping train pastors in, in the Middle East. Uh, those are things that we've been blessed financially with, we can do that. But I don't want it just to see it as financial. I want to see it as encouragement and, and, and maybe uh, Bible studies with someone that's weaker or that needs help. So, okay.
All right, let's move on. We're about getting out of time here. Verse 4, for whatever things were written before uh, were written for our learning that through patience and comfort of the scriptures we might have hope. When I first, I, I, I memorized this verse years ago. It's been very helpful. But at first glance, this verse doesn't seem to fit with the rest of the context. Why is Paul putting this in here? What is he saying um, is that the way that scripture uh, will become a blessing for us and through us and for us and for others is to put it into practice. That's really what Paul's saying. Here, here is what he's saying. We, they're strong not to bear the scruples of the weak. We are not to please ourselves. Let each of us please our neighbor for his good. Help build up the neighbor. Look at the example of Christ. How do we find all about that? From the scriptures. How do we learn to do that? From the holy scriptures. Uh, the phrase, what is ever written uh, here uh, beforehand, obviously refers to what? To what? Refers to the Old Testament because the New Testament wasn't written at this point. So Paul is going back to the Old Testament. Uh, but it would certainly apply to the New Testament today since the uh, canon is complete. Um, but Paul is basically saying uh, the, the Old Testament. So let's just notice a couple things in the verse 4. Uh, first, they were written for our learning and knowledge. Uh, notice there he says, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning or our knowledge uh, there. And so um, the, uh, this would be more than intellectual knowledge. The scripture is never content with us just having intellectual knowledge. It wants us, that the scriptures to affect us spiritually, to help us move in the right direction. We can have a lot of intellectual knowledge and not have a concern for our neighbor, right? And so that's what Paul was trying to say here. Um, I think this probably also has to do with discernment uh, that the scriptures were given for our learning, that we through patience of the scriptures or of the scriptures might have hope. But the, the idea of discernment, as you study the scriptures and you pray, you can discern certain things. Uh, you can discern, to Karen's point, if a widow needs help financially or you can discern if they need help uh, emotionally or, or with some other things. And so the scriptures help us to do that. And um, it, it would be practical knowledge that can apply to daily Christian life. This is what the scriptures do. It gives us daily practical knowledge that we can apply to our life. Um, this may be better understood, as I said, as discernment. And there's three specific blessings listed in relationship uh, to learning. The first one mentioned is perseverance or patience. Some of your translations may have endurance. Um, I think when we study God's word, we can become more and more conscious of the fact that our lives are woefully short of what scripture requires. Uh, as we read God's word and we study God's word and we see what God requires of us, as believers in a new creation, I think it, it, it shouldn't lead us to pride, but it should lead us to humility. Oh, Lord, continue to work in me. Help me to become more and more like Jesus Christ. Root out the sin and the old in my life and uh, make me like Christ. And so um, we cannot be satisfied with just reading the word of God, uh, but we must uh, persevere from one verse to the other. And this is what Paul says uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, 15. Uh, you probably know this, uh, but Paul makes this very point here uh, that uh, he says, uh, 
Be diligent to present yourselves approved unto God. Read God's word over and over, not just for head knowledge. A worker, uh, present yourselves approved of God, a worker that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, make an application. Read it, learn it, apply it to your life, apply it to the situations that you are in your life. And then he says here, uh, I'll just uh, stop with this. Uh, the second thing mentioned here is comfort and encouragement. Uh, certainly all of us have favorite verses that comfort and encourage us. Maybe uh, we'll close this week, and when we pick this up, maybe you can come back with some verses or that comfort and encourage you. What are some verses that you keep going back to that strengthen you, that encourage you? And maybe we'll talk a little bit about that next week or in the week to come. So uh, if you have any questions, see me afterwards, and I'll be glad to um, at least listen. And uh, if I have real hard questions, you can ask Gary. So, all right, thanks for your help or your time this morning.